Well, we uh, continue in our studies of Romans. If you'd like to turn to the second chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 2. And I want to begin this morning by expressing expressing to you, I, I began looking at these words in Romans chapter 2 a week ago. And in my spare time, which was quite a bit over the last week, I looked at them and looked at them and looked at them. And I've got to be honest with you folks, I just... I just didn't know what to what to put together. I just I looked at it and I just there's a lot of there's a lot of words here and, and phrases that I didn't quite understand. I couldn't put two and two together for some reason. So I'm gonna lean very heavily this morning on the commentary of our dear brother Paul uh, I mean Henry Mayhem. Now I've titled it No Respecter of Persons with God. And the last time we met for this study in this letter written by the, written to the saints of Rome, I finished the first chapter of verses 18 through 32 in a message that I had brought for the main service. And if you'd like to follow up on that, if you missed out on it, it's titled, Be Ye a Reprobate. You can find it on Sermon Audio. But this morning we're going to begin chapter 2. So if you would, read with me verses 1 through 11 of Romans chapter 2. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art, that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest dost the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them, which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasurest up unto thyself, wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds to, to them who by patient continuance and well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Brother Mahan writes this, he says, to understand the early verses of this chapter, one must determine to whom the apostle speaks. In the preceding chapter, in chapter 1, Paul had described the state of idolatrous pagans. You'll recall back in verses 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. He now passes to the Jews who, while they rejected the righteousness of God in Christ, to which the law of the prophets bore witness of, looked for salvation in their relationship to Abraham, their observance of ceremonial law, and their outward mortality. 
In other words, their observance to filling the ceremonial law that they thought was, you know, uh, swinging of the incense, all of those kinds of things that were told to be, that they were told to do in the uh, as far as the uh, ceremonies of the of the temple, and then of course their outward morality too. See, I don't do this, I don't do that. See, th and that's what they were relying on. In other words, writes Henry Mann, they relied not upon the grace of God, but wholly upon their own works and their own stature of their bloodline. Paul shows that the just judgment of God is the same against Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned. Look with me over at, uh, again at Romans 2, verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and, re and re restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God. We're, we're looking here to see who Paul is addressing. He addresses the Jews there in verse 17. Again, over in chapter 2, verse 23, we read, Thou that makest thy boast of the law, thou breaking the law, dishonest you, thou God. They're talking about the ones that the law was given. Jerusalem, the Jews. Also in verse 28 of this very same chapter, we see this. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. So these verses that give us evidence that Paul here addresses the religious Jews and not the heathen philosophers. So going back now to verse 1, the religious Jews passed judgment upon and they condemned the Gentiles. They're not like us. They don't have the God that we have. They passed judgment upon the Gentiles and Paul declares their offense not for their judging and condemning sin and idolatry, but for their being guilty in their hearts and oftentimes in their deeds of the same things for which they condemned others. Paul says that the law declares all men to be guilty before God. If you look over at chapter 3 of Romans, we'll see this in two verses over there. Chapter 3, verse 19, we read these words. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. And again, if you look down at verse 23, you'll see these very words, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul has already declared the Gentiles inexcusable, and in these verses he does the same in regards to the Jews. Now when you condemn the sins of others and are guilty of the same transgression, you condemn yourself and are inexcusable. Turn over to Matthew chapter 21 if you would. Hold your, mark your place here in Romans. We'll come back and be, uh, look at the next verse in a moment. But turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. When you are charging others and you are guilty of the same thing, you condemn yourself and are inexcusable for it. In Matthew chapter 5, but over in Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verses 21, we read these words. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall, shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother, they would... They would condemn you for killing somebody, but then they would get angry of somebody, and our Lord is expressing to them, that's the same thing. It's the, to, just to think 
just to think is, be, is being sinful. That, that brings us to this point, folks. We are sin. We, we're not sinners because of what we do. We do because we're sinners. But I say unto you, verse 22, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, or in other words, worthless, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now look down one more, if you would, in Matthew uh, chapter 5. Look at verses 27 and 28. Here's the same thing, only it's about, instead of death, it's about be committing adultery. Ye have heard that it was said to them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adulter, adultery with her already in his heart. It's back in our text now. If you'd like to go back there, we'll look, at, we'll look next at verse chapter three or chapter two, verse three. <clears throat> chapter two, verse two. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. So commit the things that we just talked about. Those who condemn others but do the same thing themselves. I couldn't help but reading these very words and thinking to myself, what about that log that's in my own eye? Folks, I'm just as guilty as everyone. I'm just as guilty of my sin and my sin as everyone else is about judgment. We say those people over in San Francisco, speaking of the homosexuals. I'm not a homosexual, but I'm just as guilty as they are. I've told a lie, and it doesn't matter what sin you do. Any sin is the same price. It's death, isn't it? This is what makes the grace of God so wonderful for you and I, for those who belong to the Lord. We know that God has loved us from before the world was, and He gave Himself out of grace and out of mercy for us. This could be me. And it was me until the Lord came to us in grace and mercy and gave us life to see His Son for who He is and to see Him for what He's done for us. What about that log in my eye, John? And I'm talking to myself. Worry about the log in my own eye and quit worrying about the folks outside, the folks around me. We are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. Oh, how we know that our Lord is true in all things against them which commit such things. Henry writes, God's judgment is according to truth, not appearance. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for that? There was a, there was a, uh, a thing on Facebook that showed these three very nicely dressed religious looking people sitting on a bench and a biker guy sitting in the middle. <laughs> I thought about Bill. <laughs> and he's reading uh, the Bible and he says, he says I, Lord, I give my heart unto you. And then below it talks, it, uh, I, you know, I, I wish I remembered, I wish I had printed it out so I remember which scripture, but in the scripture where the Lord says to this uh, point, I look upon the heart, not upon the flesh. And I said, I posted, I said, oh, how thankful I am that God does not look upon this flesh. Oh, how thankful I am that he looks upon his son and sees me. God's judgment is according to truth, not according to appearance, not according to works, 
not according to nation, not according to profession. God will punish sin without respect of persons in, so, in whosoever it is found. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. God will by no means clear the guilty. Those are, word, those are his words. And as true believers, we are free from the condemnation because, he, because of his righteousness. He has fulfilled the law and suffered it just penal, its just penalty in the obedience of death of Jesus Christ with whom he is one. Look over at Romans. Again, mark your spot there. Turn over to the fifth chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 5. And look at verse 19 with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 19, we read these words. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, that's our Lord and Savior, He judges in truth, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. One more, if you would, turn over to uh, chapter 3 and look with me at verses 24 and 26, Romans chapter 3. Being justified freely by His grace, oh, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a payment, a passing over through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins, that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Back in our text again in Romans chapter 2, let's look at verse 3. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Pastor Mahan writes, since God's judgments are true and righteous, as we saw in, in verse 2, since God looks on the heart and not on the outward appearance, since all men are sinners and guilty before God, how can anyone who has not a perfect righteousness and sufficient atonement hope to escape? If you don't have the perfect righteousness of God, folks, if we lean on our own righteousness, which there is none, at all, then we will miss the mark. There's only one righteousness God will accept, and that's the perfect righteousness of His Son, the Lord Jesus. He who was made sin, our sin. Let me say that again. Our sin. There was no sin. He, he had no sin of His own. God made Him sin for us that we would be made righteous in Him. I never get tired of telling people about that. That's my only righteousness. Is it yours? Amen. Over in Job. If you'd like to turn over there with me. In Job chapter 25, we read, we read these words in verses 4 through 6. How then can any man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Behold, even the moon, and it shineth not, yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man that is a worm, and the son of man which is a worm. All must be judged according to their works, and all who are not in Christ shall perish. 
But look over at Romans chapter 1, or chapter 8. We know these verses very well, don't we? Oh, another phrase that I just love to repeat. There is therefore now no condemnation to whom? To them which are in Christ Jesus. That's the only way to stand righteous before God, is in Him. Back in our text, verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of God's goodness and forbearance and longsuffering? Did I already read that one? I did, didn't I? Did I skip one? Yeah, let me just start that over again. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Do you despise the riches of God's goodness? Folks, the Jews had everything. They had all of God's oracles. They had everything that we find now in this Bible given to them by God Almighty through prophets and, and uh, uh, the oracles of God. Henry writes, Are you Jews so blind as to trifle with and presume upon and despise the wealth of God's goodness? Are you so blind to trifle with His forbearance? His patience towards you? Do you not know that the goodness of God to you is intended to lead you to repentance and faith in Him? Goodness denotes God's benefits and blessings on them. Forbearance denotes God's bearing with them and not immediately executing with vengeance upon them. Long-suffering signifies the extent of His forbearance. They conclude... They concluded from their position as Abraham's seed that their prosperity under God's goodness and the delay of his judgment that they would escape condemnation because of that, because they were of Abraham's seed. These mercies and benefits which should have turned them to God in true repentance and faith served only to harden them in the, their presumption of a false profession. Look back in our text, verse 5. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Henry goes on to write this about that. He says, But by your stubbornness, by your impenitent heart of heart, trusting in your works, trusting in your traditions, and the claims to righteousness that you are storing up wrath and indignant indignation for yourselves. For yourselves on the day of judgment, you are authors of your own destruction, is what he says. The benefits of special favor of God, which these Jews had enjoyed, increased their condemnation, for an account of them all shall be required. Look over at chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. An account of everything they did shall be required. It says, what advantage then, in verse Chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Verse 2, Much every way, chiefly because they unto them were committed, what? The oracles of God. Turn over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And look with me, if you would, beginning at verse 47. Luke chapter 12, verse 47. And that servant, which knew his Lord's will, this is about those that the, the Lord had given uh, 
money to three different servants. Two of them had gone out and invested, but one, that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, his, his master's will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did co commit these things, worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. And the servant which knew the Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things unworthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. I am come to send fire on the earth. So we see that these who God gave the oracles of his word, the oracles of his prophets, we see that because they were given much, they're going to receive more stripes. Now that doesn't mean that the children of God are going to hell. It doesn't mean that they're going to be beaten. God is never, never angry with his chosen people. His anger was laid on our Savior. But not all of Israel is Israel. we got to remember that. Not all of those who claim to be Christians are Christians. God has his remnant in all ages, in all nations, in all people. His remnant that, those he, that he has loved from before the world was. But we're mixed in with the wheat and the with the tares. We've been raised up in this world with tares all around us. And the tares will receive the wrath of God for what they've done. Those who claim to be Christians yet rely on their own works, just like the Jews were relying on their own self-righteousness, their own acts, their own bloodline rather than relying on the grace and love of God. That's what that's talking about. Are there those in the world who've never heard of God? That's talking about the Gentiles. Let's go on, shall we? Back in our text in verse 6. Romans chapter 2, verse 6 who will render to every man according to his deeds. In that day of judgment, God, who is righteous, holy, just, and true, will deal justly with every person according to his deeds. Every man will answer for himself in all that he thought, said, and did. Punishment shall be universal, but not equal. For it is ju a just judgment. Look over at Matthew 11, verses 22 through 23. Matthew 11. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sodom of the day of judgment than it is for you. Our Lord says in verse 21, He says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you, and this is, this is an example this is exactly what we were talking about as far as the Jews were concerned. Think about the mighty works that God did for the Jews. He separated the sea. You don't think all these Jewish folks at the time the Lord Jesus walked this earth didn't, didn't know about that? We, were, we looked at the Pharisees on Friday night. I'm sorry, the Sadducees on Friday night's Bible study, for those of you who couldn't be with us. The Sadducees were the elite 
of the Jews. They thought they knew everything. They were the philosophers. They had figured it all out. They were very much aware of the wonders of God throughout the time of, of, of Israel. Yet they turned their backs on the Lord. If they, if, if they were woe unto thee, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sarad, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto the heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom and had remained until this, it would have Sodom would have remained until this day. So it's it's telling us here that there will be more judgment for others than there is for. I'll tell you right now. Those who stand before God's people, those who stand before the people, and declare a different Jesus, who declare a different God than the God of Scriptures, and that's the Jesus that they say is waiting for you to do something. And they know by God's word that's not true. I'm thankful I haven't met any, but I know pastors who have who met those who can't talk about Romans chapter 9 because it would offend somebody. Oh, I couldn't preach that. People would get up and walk out of my church and never come back. The only reason that person preaches is to build more people into, into the pulpit. We have few, but every one of the few that are here is because God has brought them, not me. And I'm thankful for that. Back in our text, verse 7. And we'll bring this to a close real quick here. Let's go ahead and read 7 through 11. To them who by patience, continuance, and well-doing seek for the glory and honor of immortality and eternal life, Henry Mahan writes about that, these words are descriptive of one sort of person, those who have faith and perseverance sought the glory of God in Christ, the honor which abides in Christ, immortality in Christ, and the resurrection of Christ, God will render to them eternal life. Now, verse 8. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, and this, according to Henry Mahan, is but those who are self-seeking, self-willed, self-righteous, and disobedient to the gospel of truth, there will be indignation and wrath for them. And then closing out with verses 9 through 11. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory and honor, peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Henry closes with these words. He says, The wrath of God will be poured out upon all men, who are guilty of sin, whether they Jew or, Jew or Gentile. And the mercy of God will be upon all men in Christ, whether Jew or Gentile, for there is no respect of persons. And we look over at Romans chapter 3 once again. Romans chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. 
All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Folks, let me close with this statement of my own. The wrath I deserve was poured out on my Savior. He took my place in the first death, and I live in Him. He is my all in all, and all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I'll start reading the rest of this chapter this afternoon, and maybe, Lord willing, I can figure it out. Uh, there's some tough words there for us, isn't it? Not all of God's word is easy to understand, is it? And I'm probably the least of anyone who can understand anything. I'm just thankful the Lord gives me an inkling. He's opened the veil up to where we can look in and see our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, our mercy seat. And what more do we really need to know than that? Everything we have, everything we need is in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ.